do you know him? I just, if you, if you know him, say, I know him. If you know him, say, I know him. Because there's nothing more important. There's no greater question in all of existence that you can ever ask yourself, that you can ever ask anybody else. There is nothing more important in all of creation than the answer to that question. As a matter of fact, everything else in your life stems from just that, from just that. Everything else is icing on a cake that was baked by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, everything else is just icing. Everything else is just add-on. That's the only thing that matters in your whole life. Do you know him? And the answer of that question determines your eternity and your life right here, right now. So I ask you again, do you know him? Do you know him? And if you do, just say, I know him. him. And stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're in the book of 1 John in chapter 2. If you're looking it up, it's all the way in the back of the book, just right before the revelation there. The book of 1 John in chapter 2. Look, these epistles that John wrote are a crash course in Christianity. These epistles that John wrote, man, have some of the most incredible truths of the entire Bible located in them. And these little bitty tiny letters, these little tiny letters that John wrote to root out heresy in the church. See, that's what these letters are for. That's what he was writing them for. Because all of a sudden, the church had gotten off course. And I'm talking about while John the Apostle is still alive. Sometimes people are like, let's go back to the Acts Church. Hey, look, the Acts Church had problems of its own. What we need to do is grow back into the church that God has designed us to be from the beginning. Can you say amen? We need to become something more. We need to become something greater. We need to become the body of Christ. And there's one thing, say one thing. There's one thing that is keeping us from being the church that God has designed us to be. And we're going to address that problem right here, right now. Book of 1 John in chapter 2, the Bible says this, My little children, that's all of us. John was an old man when he wrote this. He was mature in the faith and he was up there in years. You know, he's the only one of the original disciples that didn't die a violent martyr's death. God kept him around. Why? So he could pin the revelation and so he could write these three letters. Right here, he was an old man, and he cared about his people. He wrote this letter because he loved the church, just like I love the church. Man, man, I, I hear people like tearing down the church all the time, and I do it some myself. But I, I mean, the reason that I do it, hopefully, if my heart is right, is to grow it up and build it up. But I see some people just trying to tear it down, just to try to tear it down, and it makes me angry, and it makes me sad, but it makes me more angry than it does sad. I mean, I get fighting mad because this is God's bride. This is the bride of Christ that he's talking about. But John writes this letter because he loves the church. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. You know what the very last sentence in the Bible is? You'll hear me say this a lot. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Just like we just sang, amen. This same guy wrote wrote that passage, wrote that sentence. John the Revelator, John the Beloved, John the Apostle prayed for you. You hear what I'm saying? The very last sentence in all of Scripture is the Beloved Disciple, the one that was given the gift of the Revelation, praying for you. And this is who he wrote this letter to, is to me and you. Listen, my little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. 
Do you hear what the problem is? Do you, do you hear what the problem is? You know what's keeping us from being the church that God's called us to be? What's keeping us from being the people that God's called us to be? One little nasty three-letter word. You know, they say four-letter words are bad. I'll give you a three-letter word that's worse than any four-letter word ever thought about being. Sin. That you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Can you say amen? Amen. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for those of the whole world. See, Jesus is not just available to the people in this room. He's, he's not just available to the ones that got it right and thought right and did right. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is available to anybody and everybody that would bend their knee before him. Anybody and everybody that would come to the cross expecting his power and his love. Man, he's available. Maybe I'll get through this scripture in a minute. This is how we know that we know him. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. And some people think that means the 10 plus 613. No, there's two. Do you hear me? There's two. Don't make it harder than it is. There's two. It's in Matthew 22. There's two. Love God and And if you do that, then you know him. And if you don't, we need to talk. I have come to know him. Oh, man. Ah, the one who says I've come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked some translations say should live just as he lived. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've had since the beginning. The old command is the words you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and is true in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light, somebody say the true light is already shining. Can we give God praise at the Way Church this morning for the light that shines from heaven and in our spirit? Now give him praise like you meant it this morning. Let his light shine in you. Come on. Father, we praise you. Father, we worship you. Son, we praise you. Son, we worship you. Spirit, we praise you. Spirit, we worship you. And that's all we've got to say in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give him a shout of praise again. Can we? Oh my, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me be real clear this morning. Every problem that you have in your life comes from sin. It's not more complicated than that. It's just that simple. Every problem you have in your life comes from sin. Now, before you go posting me on Twitter as being some kind of fundamentalist, let me explain. It might be your sin. It probably is. It might be somebody else's sin. There's a good bunch of that going around too. Or it might come from the original sin that happened when they broke God's world in the Garden of Eden that we wish that he would take us back to. But every bit of darkness
darkness on this whole earth and all of existence stems from rebellion against God. It all comes from there. Every bit of it. Maybe it's your sin that's causing your problems. Maybe it's somebody else that's sinning against you that's causing your pain and your torment. Or maybe it just comes from the brokenness of the world around us that was caused when Adam and Eve went against God's one, one, one stipulation and brought sin into the world by their rebellion. It, it, it all comes from just that one thing. It, it all comes from just that one thing. Every moment of pain, every single instant of evil, every drop of darkness in your life comes from sin. Comes from sin. It's, it, it's horrifying, but it's just true. It's just true. But you know, a simple problem has a simple solution. A simple problem has a simple solution. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? The finished work of the cross is the solution to every single problem in your life to surrender everything that you are, everything you could ever be, everything you've been at the foot of this cross. That is the solution to every problem in your life. Why? Because the sin that you brought upon yourself you can be forgiven for. You can be forgiven for and you can be empowered not to commit again. Because the sins that have been committed against you, you can be healed from the wound that that caused you and you can get the strength to overcome every attack that is coming against you. And for the sins that are caused because of the brokenness of the world, man, Jesus Christ in John 16 and 33 says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Can you say amen? Now, Let's just get to the point of this matter real quick. We can't change anybody else. We, we, we can't fix people. We want to, but we can't. We, we want to. We have the answer that they need. We, we have the healing that they need. Man, we have got the salvation in our hearts that they need, and we want so desperately for them to get it but we can't fix them we can't change them we want to but we can't look, look here's a really really easy example man who's had an addict in their family or their friends or their co-workers somebody that's addicted I don't just mean to substances either that's an easy one but I mean to pornography I mean to debt I mean to, to sex I mean to anything out there in this world Man, if you've had an addict in your family, then you know the frustration I'm talking about because you want to fix them and you want to change them and you have the answer that they need. Just right there in your words, you have the answer they need. You've already got it in your heart, man. You know where they need to go, but you can't fix them. You want to, and it's the most frustrating thing in all of existence. Because I know people in this room right, right now that have, have drained their whole bank account trying to fix an addict. I know people right now that, that have given up everything in their life, that, that have suffered and, and been hurt and put themselves in incredibly dangerous situations to try to fix somebody else. But you can't fix them. You can show them. And you can love them. But you can't fix them. You can't change them. 
You can't change one person. What makes us think that we can change the world around us if we can't change one person? But we can't change them. We can't fix them. But you know what we can do? Because you know, it's like that with every sin. That, that, that's what I need you to understand here today. It's not just sin that's so glaring and evident to everybody. Sin is sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sin is sin. You know, sin is sin, man. The businessman in the high tower is just as much in sin as the addict in the alley. Just as much. And, and, and each and every one of those sins, man, we want to fix it, but we can't. But we know who can. We know who can. But he won't unless they allow him to. So do you know how you can affect the people around you? Do you know how you can make an impact on the world around you? Do you know who you can change? Yourself. By allowing God to work in you. I mean, that's how you, that's how you change. See, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be changed. You hear what I'm saying? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be changed. When we're changed... The whole world has changed. But I can't change nobody else. But I can allow God to change me. And the closer that I get to God, the more like God the whole world is. And it might not be real evident at first, but it's still true. So here's the question. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Look, do you want to add more darkness to the world? Or do you want to shed a little light of His glory on the world around you? Because see, listen, there's nothing in between light and darkness. There's no in between. You're either shedding light or you're adding darkness. There's nothing in between. There's no middle ground because who owns the fence? The devil owns the fence. If you're straddling the fence, you're in sin if you're straddling the fence, you're shedding darkness. See, there's nothing in between. You're either being a purveyor of the light and the glory of God or you're adding to the darkness of the world. So who do you want to be? What do you want to be? Man, what do you want to be? And, and if you don't think you need to be changed, let me just add this, and you've got a long way to go. I'm just saying. If you think you're doing everything right, man, then you've got a long way to go. If you don't think that you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to sanctify you and set you free from some things, then you have no idea what's going on. No idea. Then you're totally oblivious to what God wants to do in your life. Man, we've all got so, so, so far to go. Man, either we're drawing close to God or we're drifting away. Away. Either we're drawing close to God we're drifting away. There's no in-between. Because you know what? If you're standing still, you're getting carried away by the current that is the world that we live in. <laughs> so look, here's God. <clears throat> and here's the outer darkness. And once we get saved, man, we're somewhere in here. And we're just as saved out here as we are right here. I'm just saying my God's grace, my hand extends all the way into that darkness and sets us free. But the question is, where do you want to be? 
stand right here teeter-tottering on darkness all the time? Reaching back into it a little bit, getting a little on you, and then trying to shake it off? Or do you want to get as close as you possibly can to the light of the living God? Yeah, man, give God praise for that, sure. And you know what keeps us going this way? Sin. And you know what keeps us going this way? Repentance. And you know what? Only the power of the Holy Spirit can bring this to life in us. And yet the enemy continuously tries to get us wrapped up in this garbage. Which way are you going, man? Which way are you going? Which way are you headed? And I'm telling you point blank, point blank, if you're standing still, the waves of this world are carrying you that way. They're carrying you that way. They're carrying you that way if you're standing still. I mean, we got to keep going after God with everything that we've got. we got to keep chasing His light. we got to be like a moth on a dark night, going at that light just as hard as we can go, not caring if it kills us or whatever happens to us. Man, we've got to get to here. We've got to get to here. So the question just remains, who do you want to be? Because the only thing standing between you and God is sin. But I've got the remedy. I've got the cure. It's the cross of Christ. It's full surrender to the cross. You know, yeah, we are suffering from a pandemic. But I know a pandemic way worse than the coronavirus ever thought about being. I know an infection that's been with us since the beginning. And you know how they're going to, they did an emergency order to use people's blood to treat the coronavirus because it's got the antibodies in it. Well, look at there. Once again, science is lining up with what the Bible already spoke. Can you say amen? Once again. Because there's an antidote and there's a cure and there's a vaccine and there's a treatment and it's all wrapped up into one. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. If you want to give him praise, give him praise for that. All right, I'm going to start preaching now. Get into my text. I'm writing you this so you won't sin. The goal is that we don't sin. You know why? Because just like I said, sin separates us from God. Sin is the only thing separating us from God. From a God that loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. And was willing to die to get to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, do you know anybody in your life that's willing to die just to be with you? Willing to die, that like surrendered himself to death, like, like Pastor Brent preached the other night, to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. Man, I saw that man of God standing out there in the middle of that motel, man. People gathered around him, saying to them, Man, he surrendered himself to die for you. The God of heaven stepped off his throat and humbled himself to die, even to die on a cross for you. That's how much he loves you. And the only thing separating him from you is just your sin. It's just your sin. I'm writing you this. I'm preaching you this today so that you won't sin. But if you do, but if you do, it's, it's, it's not okay. But for those that are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. You know what there is? There's grace. There's grace for you. There's grace, man. All you got to do is just walk into it. 
All you got to do is just receive it, man. There's so much grace. Dude, there's so, there's so much grace. There's more grace than anything that you could ever imagine. Man, it's like it's like your sin. It's like your sin is, is a grain of sand on the beach. And His grace is the vastness of the ocean and the sky that you're gazing upon. And that doesn't even do it justice. That doesn't even do it justice. I mean, there's no way that I could ever explain to you the width, the death, the power of the grace of the living God. Man, it's there for you. No condemnation. No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But you better be in Christ Jesus. Because for those outside of Christ Jesus, there's nothing but condemnation. There's nothing but destruction. There's nothing but wrath. Because out there in that outer darkness, that's what that is. That's what that is. We get to dwell within this bubble that Christ has created by His sacrifice that we can live within. And outside that, there's nothing for you. There's nothing for you. Now the enemy's going to try to dangle some trinkets out there for you. Right? He's going to try to dangle some trinkets out there. Little ill-gotten gains on some cash. Little five-minute, you know, 30-minute high on some substance. Little, little excitement in some affair. He's going to dangle that junk out there for you. Do you know what that stuff leads to? Death and destruction and misery and misery. And yet we get sucked into it. Sin prevents us. Now let me put it this way. Sin won't necessarily stop you from being who you want to be. But it will always stop you from being who God wants you to be. Always. You, you can't be who God wants you to be with, with sin in your life. You, you just can't. You can't. And the more of it we shed, the closer we get. You hear what I'm saying? Even the little things. Even the little things that are against says in His Word. Even the little things that we always took for granted before. I mean, you know, there's the big things, like I was talking about before. There's the big things of lusts and, and, and addictions and, 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 you know, all that stuff. But then there's the little things too, man. And every time that we shed some sin, every time that we repent of anything in our life, we draw closer to God. And every time we draw and fall, every time we fall back into that habit, we get drawn further away from Him. His desire... And, and, and this is what our Savior prayed, and, and he talks about it in John 16 and 17, and, and he says his prayer, and he says, my God, my desire is that they would be one with me just like I'm one with you. That, that's the purpose here. That's why he died, so that we could be one with Christ just like Christ is one with the Father. That's the purpose here, and the only thing that's keeping us away from that is the sin in our lives. Man, we need to rid our lives of sin. Will we be perfect? No. But there's grace. But does all that grace mean that we should just sin more? Of course not. I like what the Apostle Paul writes. Of course not. Like that's the dumbest thing that he's ever heard in his life. Of course not. May we use that grace to, to fight against the sin that's still ravaging our life. Man, because even though that there's forgiveness in, in, the, in the spirit, there's still consequences in the natural. We need to shed light and not darkness. We need to draw close and not fall further away. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying, hear this. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle, isn't it? It's a struggle. You know why? Because it's our nature to sin.
It's in our nature. It's been passed down to us from father to son and daughter all the way through the generations to where we are now. And that's why that song that we're singing earlier, man, we're, we're counteracting that. We're trying to break those curses. We're trying to keep that sin from being passed down generation to generation. Instead, we're calling for God's favor to come alive from generation to generation to generation to generation. But, you know, we can be free. We can be free of that sin. We can be free of that sin. And to be free of that sin, we don't need a self-help book. We don't need a guru. We don't need a program. We need a savior. We need a healer. We need a redeemer. We need the Lion of God and the Lamb of Judah. Now, I messed that up. The Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. We need the first and the last. We need the beginning and the end. We need the Alpha and the Omega. We need the ride in on that white horse and set everything right. We need the one that has the sword of the Word of God that comes out of his mouth, man. We need the one that's going to come back with fire in his eyes, with skin like bronze, man, that holds the stars in his hands, man. That is what we need in our life if we want to be free. He said, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll have the light of life. And we need to follow him wherever he's going. We've got an advocate, man. I, I, it's crazy how that song we sang fits in with everything that I'm talking about today. We didn't even set that up. Man, he is for you. Too many people think God is against them. Man, God's not against you. Man, God's not waiting up in heaven with, a, you know, with an iron fist just waiting for you to mess up. No, man, God is for you. God is for you. Every second of every day, he's for you. Every second of every day, he believes in you. Every moment, he's for you. You know, Romans 5, he says he showed his great love for us in that while we were sinners. Do you hear what I'm saying? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, he believed in us. While we were sinners, he died for us. While we were sinners, he was for us and not against us. We have an advocate in heaven, one that fights for us. One that fights for us. One that's constantly, as the accuser comes to accuse us, we have an advocate who's a way better lawyer than the stupid devil ever tried to be. <laughs> but how do we know that we've been set free from the control of sin? If we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. We walk like he walked. If we talk how he talked. If we live how he lived. Listen, it comes down to this. If you truly love Jesus, you no longer love sin. I'd drop it if we had money to replace it. If you love Jesus, you no longer love sin. My, my brother down in, in Burksville posted this on the, on the Facebook the other day, and it really resonated with me. He said, your works will not get you into heaven. But your works may be pretty good evidence that heaven has gotten into you. Can you say amen? Yeah, man. Thank you, Brother Tim, for that word, man. And that's a fact. Look, when we believe enough to act, now this is what I always say about the book of Romans in, in chapter 10. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that Christ has risen from the dead, if we confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord, we will be saved, right? Well, that word believe means believe enough to act. It doesn't mean just think, it, think that it might be true. It means you believe enough to let it make you move. You believe enough that it makes you move, that it makes you live and breathe, that it determines what you do and what you are in your life. 
And if you believe it that strong, and if you confess and surrender our lives to Christ, then we're changed. You hear me? Our relationship with God is changed. All of a sudden, instead of just being creator, he becomes father. And instead of just, just being, being master, he becomes friend. I mean, he becomes savior and redeemer and restorer, man. He becomes all those things in that moment, and we are changed. But our relationship with sin is also changed. And that doesn't mean that we won't have sin in our lives. Obviously, we will, or I wouldn't have to be talking about this stuff and drawing nice, pretty diagrams that our cleaning team is going to have to mop up later. <laughs> but our relationship with sin changes. Will you still sin? Of course you will. But you'll no longer love it like you did. Will you sin? Sure you will. But you'll no longer brag about it like you once did. Remember I told you a few weeks ago that if somebody showed up here at church and was like, wave this banner of sin with me. Look how free I am in Christ and I can still do this stuff. And I was like, mm -mm -mm. not me. You got to wave that flag by yourself, buddy. Not I. Because you don't brag about your sin like you once did. You, you, you no longer make plans to sin like you once did. They try to, but them plans keep getting wrecked. Don't they save you? Don't they? Don't they redeem? Don't they saints? You plan on sinning, and all of a sudden, all them plans to sin just fell apart right in your face. Uh, man, when I see them, I'm going to tell them this and that. Holy Spirit's like. All them plans to sin start falling apart. You no longer remember your as fondly as you once did. Remember all them war stories we used to tell? They don't sound as sweet rolling off our lips anymore, do they? They don't sound as good when we say them out loud anymore. When those thoughts of some of the things that you did back in the day come into your head, they don't make you feel the same way anymore, do they? Oh, what a triumph I had. Oh, what a man that I am. No, you wasn't a man. What was we, Kyle? We was punks, wasn't we? Punks. Nothing but punks. Yeah, we thought we was outlaws, but we were slaves to the devil. Can somebody say amen? And we don't want to live like that anymore. Look, it comes down to this. You don't have to be who you once were. You don't have to be that person anymore. You don't have to be. You can be. Look, 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 look. You can be. You see what I'm saying? But you don't have to be. You don't have to be. Man, them chains have been broken. You don't have to carry them around anymore. You've been brought back to life. You don't have to wear them gray clothes around anymore. You don't have to be that person anymore. And I don't care what, maybe the world thinks you're still that person, but God knows. Somebody say, God knows. Do I live to please people? Do I live to please God? Then do it. Do it. What's keeping you from it? What's the answer to that question? Come on. A Christian will never fully enjoy sin as they once did. If you make it past the planning phase where God tried to shut you down and you actually get into the midst of the sin, oh my. Ugh. Ugh. I've heard my wife pray imprecatory prayers on people before. You know what those, you know what those are? Are you familiar with the imprecatory psalms? That's where the psalmist is like, and I hope their teeth fall out. And I hope they don't sleep another night. I'm talking about David, not her right now. I'm talking about David. King David's like, and I hope the dogs come and chase them. And I hope that the power, like I've heard my wife be like, and I pray you don't sleep again. Not because you're high, but because you're convicted. 
And I pray that the next time you get high, that it's the worst high that you ever had in your life. And I pray that all that money you stole, that you go give it to a church somewhere till you ain't got none. And I pray right now in Jesus' name. And I'm like, dang, girl, huh? And then sure, that person will show back up with their hair going everywhere like, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, gosh, I do. And you better repent or she'll do it again. <laughs> you can't enjoy that sin. Can you, Casey? No. No. Hey, look, I know because I had a couple of times after I gave my life to Christ, and I'm talking about really gave my life to Christ, and I walked back into it. You're talking about some long nights, brother. You're talking about some long nights. You're talking about some, some upset stomach and, and it's just pains. I mean, you're talking about some long, long, long periods of time. You're talking about some messed up thoughts that go through a man's head. When, you, when you've surrendered to God and you walk back on that, right back into the mess that he pulled you out of, you're not going to have a good time. So why in the world do you keep going back over and over and over again? Man, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. The power of the cross can set you free. Man, the power of Jesus Christ doesn't just save you. It sets you free. Man, if you'll surrender everything you have at the foot of this cross, then he will never lead you wrong. Can you say amen? Yes. A Christian will no longer be comfortable in the habitual sin that he was once in. Sometimes stuff's okay. But tomorrow it's not going to be okay anymore. I've been driving down the road and had conviction hit me like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden I couldn't do what I wanted to do anymore. Because I realized that God was trying to fix that part of my life. And, and, and I've had some people tell me, some, some people don't get this. Some people think that, that, you know, when we make a profession of faith, that all of a sudden we're made holy. And we get a white robe. Did any of y'all get a white robe? Did any of y'all get a halo? Did any of y'all sprout wings? No? Angels and people are different, just for the record. I just want to say that out loud because I, I'm not allowed to say that at funeral home services. So, anyway. Some people think... <laughs> Some people think that when you confess God that you become this holy, earthen thou, saintly person. No, 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 no. He that knew no sin became sin so I could become the righteousness of God. Not my righteousness, His righteousness. Not my works, His one work that He did on the cross. It all comes from Him. Redemption, justification happens like that. Do you hear what I'm saying? It happens like that. There's no works involved because He already did all the work. But sanctification, look... Going from here to here takes a lifetime. Yeah, it's a long way, and it's longer for some of us like me than it is for others. Just saying amen. I'm just saying amen to the glory of God for that. You know, I've said before, some people, God, like, I don't know, somehow he starts them right here. Like, he just, like, when he saved me, he made me regular. Yeah. <laughs> halfway function in society. I mean, I had a long way to go. A long way to go. But that's just a testament to who God is and the power that He has available and how much He loves us and how eternally patient that He is. How eternally patient that He is. But I've had some people say, well, I can't believe that you let them come to your church and be involved in your ministry when they're still trapped in that kind of sin. 
And it's like, dude, maybe God hasn't convicted them of that specific sin yet. Because this is a growing process. And then I asked them the question, have you ever had something in your life that was okay today, and then all of a sudden tomorrow it's not okay anymore? That's called sanctification. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. Back in the day when I was a youth pastor, and I've told you this before, and a lot of people get mad at me this. I'm not allowed to sit at the lunch table anymore for this. But anyway, <laughs> look, I was a youth pastor, and I had some, there were still a couple of kids that were real close to me that were kind of milling around in the room after service one night. And a buddy of mine dropped off a burnt DVD of a movie. And he was like, hey, I burned this for you. It's cool. I was like, oh, man, I appreciate it. And he walked on out. And one of my youth kids was like, what you got there? And I was like, oh, it's whatever, so-and-so. And he was like, didn't that just come out in theaters? And I was like, oh, shucks. Yeah. And he was like, huh. Yeah. So I was pirating that movie, stealing it. Stealing it. And not only was I stealing it, I was teaching my youth kids that had their eyes on me that it was okay to steal. You hear what I'm saying? That's why we don't have fire sticks and whatnot at our house. And people know that I work in IT, and they're like, can't you program this? And I'm like, I could, but I'm not going to. And, and maybe God hasn't convicted some of y'all of that yet. But he did me. Dropped it on me like a ton of bricks. We pay for everything that we watch. Just because God convicted me of that, and that was part of my refining process. I'm not allowed to steal entertainment anymore. I'm not allowed to steal entertainment anymore. And so I don't. But I'm sure that there's some other things that I still do that some of y'all don't do. Because God has refined that piece of you. But this whole process is that we would shed those sins. That we would shed those sins. That we would constantly be being made brand new. That we would constantly be reformed and reshaped and refined. What is in 2 Peter or 1 Peter where it says we're going to go through the fire and we'll be refined into, into, into what God wants us to be until we can be right there at Him. Man, that's what this whole thing is about. Listen, don't add to the darkness. Shed some light. Don't, 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 don't add to the hate, man, but tip the scales for love. Don't sow seeds of chaos into the world. Sow seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Don't hurt, heal. Don't tear down. Build up. I mean, you want to change the world? I mean, do you? Do you want to change the world? Then allow God to change you. You want to change the world, you let God change you. Because when you move from here to here, the whole world's different. And when you move from there to here, the whole world is different. And listen to this. If we get enough of us, if we get enough of us, enough of us, start moving from these outer edges closer and closer to God, then that light's going to start shining brighter than ever before. And the power of God is going to be more ever present across the face of the earth. Mass movements of people. A mass exodus from sin. And can you say amen? That's what we've got to do.